a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you. And on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and in dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. By God's light, let us see light. Joan let me know on the way in. She looked it up. It was 1945. 1945 was the last time that Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday overlapped. This is a problem that I know only my social media feed has, but the clergy have really been running out of jokes with this. We've really been having a time, you know. Won't you be mine and let's contemplate our mortality, you know. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Rubbing dirt on people's faces and telling them they're going to die. I have two days running into each other because yesterday, because this is what you do if you have a toddler, our house switched into Valentine's Day card production mode because what happens is a few weeks before, daycare sends home the list of all of the names in your kiddo's class and you are expected to produce, friends. So with Grace randomly scribbling on little paper hearts and Julia carefully lettering the names of all of her classmates on them to turn them into Valentine's Day cards. Then came, we found, the really hard part for our household. With a little stack of you know fragile paper hearts, you have to spend an awful lot of thought and energy on keeping them safe and clean for the next 18 hours in our house. The house with the aforementioned toddler, who now reaches things on the table, God help us. Two dogs, one of which obsessively eats, you guessed it, paper. 
A cat and two sleep-deprived adults who tend to put overflowing juice cups on pretty much any flat surface. I hope that we did not give Grace some sort of metaphorical, you know, issue where she's going to think that she has to, you know, keep her heart separate always to keep it clean and protected. We do an awful lot to try and keep up the illusion that we can make our love, our whole lives clean. Even as I was moving those paper hearts to the fourth location to try and secure them, I heard that song, Give Me a Clean Heart. (laughs) Harder than you might think, friends. (laughs) From time to time, to the extent that Lent comes up in polite, everyday conversation, it seems to have come across as kind of a spiritual spring cleaning that goes by once a year. And it's taken on with the sincerity of, and I don't mean to trigger anyone who might have had this experience at some other point in their life, but, you know, every now and then you run across a couple for whom, you know, let's just say the love is not alive in everyday life, and so suddenly Valentine's Day takes on this, like, ultimate import. We're going to cram it all into this one day, and that's going to bring to life everything that has died in relationship and love. And sometimes it feels like that's what we're putting on Lent, too. This is going to really save us with God. (coughs) It it does seem like spring cleaning or the latest diet or cleanse fad or the home staged for an open house where everything's arranged and dusted just properly and you know it's going to last that way for about an hour. A thing we kind of do to clean ourselves up, which is funny, because like New Year's resolutions, a lot of our big dreams of a cleaned-up self fall apart a lot faster than 40 days. And they certainly don't tend to stick around later. Ash Wednesday is, I think, a good beginning then and a good corrective. The dust and dirt, it says, aren't going anywhere. The problem is us. But it really isn't about us this season isn't about what we are supposed to or can possibly do to clean ourselves up. Lent is actually the slow motion experience of watching Jesus walk with love into all of it. What is painful, what is unjust, what is unfair, what is messy, what refuses to stay clean in our lives and in the world watching Jesus walk into that and insist that God loves us, loves the mess, even walks in and kind of goes, yeah, I can work with this, and makes something holy from all the dust. If you have felt in your life that you are responsible for some sort of gigantic, you know, clean effort, on yourself. Just a reminder, we are all dust. You cannot pack it away or sweep it away. The paradox that Paul points out to the church in Corinth is this. The more we manage to walk with love and commitment, even in those places which are messy, the more we are renewed. 
if we notice in our world, the more we see people try frantically to purify things, I think we often associate that with killing the spirit and love in so many ways. If you are always trying to purify yourself, you will never find a way to be loved as you are. If we are always trying to purify our communities, well, I hear tell there are even people who are worried about purifying our country from time to time. The more you try to shake the dust and dirt out, the more you end up killing the things that give you life itself. Even when the world is like to kill you, if you can trust in God's love actually to turn the dust into new life, you are alive. Alive with hope and possibility and joy. Lent is not about us getting clean, but Christ walking into the mess and lovingly and gracefully transforming it and inviting us to walk with him, to walk lovingly into the world, imperfect and broken, but do so with bravery, to walk into each other's homes unvacuumed, but seeking deeper relationship and connection and to walk into each other's hearts without sealing them up over too many layers of cellophane and chocolate. If we give all we have into this life, well, for now, our destination is the same. Dust is going to dust. Nothing I can do about that. But if we have given in our lives of the love and mercy and reconciliation that Jesus gave his life into, dust is exactly what we are called to be, actually. That substance through which God works life and newness of life and life that has no end. For we are dust, but so is the rich and life-giving earth. We are dust, but so are particles around which water forms and fall to the earth and water everything that is. And so are those same particles suspended in the air, refracting and reflecting light until the richness of light itself is revealed in rainbows. We are dust, but so is the matter buried deep in the furnace and glory of the shining stars. We are dust, and we are beloved. A few years ago, the poet and pastor Jan Richardson asked a question that always stays with me. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? God can do beauty and relationship and communion and restoration and resurrection with dust. And the bond and the power and all that is stronger than the atom. It is unsplittable, irreducible, unkillable, uncrushable. So we are dust. And in the fullness of God's love, And see, we are alive. Amen.